0: A lot of great things coming to Rock Hill. It really was the people of Rock Hill.
1: How many things does Rock Hill have going on? And you get to be a part of that.
0: Now it's like, wow, I want to be there. I want to live there. I want to go there. It is extraordinary. The changes that have happened and what I really believe is just the next really great city in South Carolina. Hello and welcome to Rock Hill CityCast. My name is Matthew Cray where we aim to keep you informed on all things going on inside the city of Rock Hill sitting alongside my co-host Oriana Moore. Oriana how's it going? It's going great. And today in studio we begin our podcast push for the 2024 BMX Racing World Championship coming to Rock Hill May 12th through May 18th. Again 2024 and to start that we have Mike King. Mike King is the let me make sure I get this right. Rock Hill BMX supervisor. Is that correct? Uh, the BMX
1: or let's just say cycling supervisor, cycling supervisor. But the technical is park supervisor, too.
0: OK. And uh, uh, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. And uh, before we get into all the questions about BMX and a little bit about your history, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from and how you ended up at the city of Rock Hill.
1: Yeah, so I started racing BMX in the mid-70s, raced every age group category up until 17, 18. Then I turned pro, raced uh, the pro series for a number of years, then retired in 1999 because I was racing mountain bikes. Raced mountain bikes professionally up until 2006 and then I retired from cycling completely, all forms, that includes recreation, and then um, took about a year off, and then I was recruited by USA Cycling, and I ran the BMX program that took the very first team to the Olympics in 2008, and the second team in 2012 in London. And then after that uh, Olympic experience, was talking to the folks here at the city, and before you knew it, I was here in February of 2014, and we opened up the BMX track in August of 14, and the rest is history.
0: So where are you from originally? Originally, I'm from San Diego, California. Okay, Um, and what age did you get your first bike? I wanna
1: say six, five and a half, six, uh, my memory
0: is a little cloudy, you know, it was so, several, several years ago. So I'm, uh, having raced, uh, being, been a professional BMX rider, did you go to college anywhere or was it just straight into racing? It was straight into racing. Uh, when I was in high school,
1: I was, I was playing sports. I was uh, a two way athlete in football and you know, I just kind of had to make that decision on what I wanted to do. And at the time I was making really good money as a pro athlete at the age of 17. Mm -hmm. And so it just led to, um, bigger sponsors, bigger paychecks. And then when I got into mountain biking, it, uh, it really exploded.
0: So if you had gone pro in anything other than BMX, or if you had, uh, what, what would your other sport have been? thinking about that now
1: maybe golf okay golf has a long um it it seems to be you know a a 20-year career uh maybe auto racing Mm -hmm. um but those are the two that i think would stand out if i never encountered a bicycle and was you know an athletic I, i always considered myself athletic as i was ending high school um, I have an older brother who's five years older than me, and we both would go at it. So I think that's where my competitive spirit comes from. And uh, that's, that's where I could see myself.
0: All right. So if you, I've asked this question once before. If you had, you're sitting around a table, it, this is the, the very classic dinner guest question, but I'm going to turn it into dinner guests. So you have to pick an athlete, a musician, a historical figure, and a cartoon character. Who would you want sitting at the table with you? So we can start with athlete. What athlete would you want to sit down with and talk to? Probably Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's a good one. I'd pick Steph Curry. I'm. Just, you can see a little bit of an age gap there. Um, what musician? Uh, you too. You Bono, too? bring in bring in the band Bono. Uh, what about a cartoon character? That's a hard one. What about fiction? What if I brought in it to fictional character? Uh, the Hulk. The Hulk. <laughs> and then uh, a historical figure uh, Ronald Reagan. There you go. So you have a ta- table with Ronald Reagan, the Hulk, you two, and Michael Jordan. <laughs> Can you imagine the dinner conversations that would be had? <laughs> that would be um, memorable, to say the least. Absolutely. Well,. There's our fun question for the day. We'll get into a little bit more about you because I think it's important before we get into the uh, BMX Racing World Championships coming to Rock Hill to just – you briefly discussed it. You are a professional BMX rider uh, and and to kind of get a view inside of that world, if you will, because we're not there and the people who are listening to this podcast, maybe some of there are professional riders coming to Rock Hill. Cool. Thank you for listening, but – uh, for people who aren't familiar with that, what, what is the BMX professional world like? You know, I think it's like
1: most sports where, you know, it's an individual sport, right? You have a team of people, but the the team is focused on your performance, right? So motocross, um, I would, I would think that that's a similar background, uh, car racing, um, You know it's a grind you have a a national series that you follow and you're constantly traveling i would say 10 months out of the year and um you know you're always trying to to be better to be faster stronger than your competitor and hopefully you know the goal is to be a champion and um you know this event in may next year is is symbolic of that you're the world champion And, um, I'm hoping that, uh, several of the top riders have earmarked that event as the most important race of their year. Again, it's also, you know, in the Olympic year, so it'll probably be the second, you know, most important race for them, but, uh, we're excited to find out.
0: Well, walk us through some of the, uh, milestones or highlights of your career, if you will. You said you started when you were 16. Six. Six. Okay. I, I misremembered <laughs> that. You definitely said six. Um, walk us through some of those uh, highlights from six until you yeah, call the it, it quits.
1: It, uh, it started on the day before my sixth birthday in 1975 at a BMX track called Silver Wing Park in Chula Vista, California. And at that age, I'm just following around my brother. You know, he's my idol. He's five and a half years older than me. Uh, So I just want to be like him, do what he's doing. Then it turned into, um, you know, it got a little more serious where the family bought an RV and the two of us, my brother and I, were traveling up the coast. We were going to Arizona for races. You know, they'd pick me up from school. I'd fall asleep and wake up the next morning. (laughs) We'd be at a BMX track. It was awesome. And uh, as I got older... Uh, once I got to about fourteen, I was sponsored by a company called Huffy Bicycles, mm. and that's when I think a lot of a lot of the sponsorship stuff started coming my way. Um, we sold the rV because we weren't really going to these races now because we were flying to them um, and i tell I tell these stories to some some of the parents that are at the BMX track where I'm a 14 year old kid and I just get dropped off at the airport and I'm flying across country. I don't have a cell phone and someone's eventually going to pick me up on the other side.
0: <laughs> so you didn't know who was going to pick you up or uh, we
1: had a team manager, okay. but you know, God forbid his flight never got canceled. Yeah. did That <laughs> or, never happened or it, it, it's happened to others, mm. but just kind of just thinking about what we were doing yeah. in the eighties versus how life is now. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, in, I was sponsored by Huffy, then uh, that was a two-year stint, then um, Haro Bicycle started a BMX program, or Haro Bikes, before it became Haro Bicycles, uh, rode with those guys for about eight years, uh, turned pro, um, had a great pro career, was Rookie of the Year in 1988, won the national title that same year. Um, I'm sure i'm i'm forgetting a couple amateur titles but mm-hmm. i don't want to bore anyone <laughs> with that with some of that stuff um and yeah once um once i crossed over into mountain bike racing i rode for gt bicycles okay and so i was doing both bmx and mountain bikes so i would race the first part of the year the first four months And then I would disappear and start doing mountain bike races once we got closer to summer and we were going to ski resorts all over the world. And then I would come back um, right around Labor Day when the mountain bike season ended and I would finish the season racing BMX. And I took a lot of pride in that because I was off for five, six months and I still was able to finish in the top five overall. Awesome. And uh, that was something that was important to me. And a lot of it was because I was training on the BMX bike, getting ready for the mountain bike season. And then when the mountain bike season ended, I had really good fitness. Um, I just had to stay mentally sharp and, and kind of get to the end of the I, season.
0: I could be wrong about this, but I feel like every, uh, as someone who's not a professional athlete, I feel like professional athletes have that moment. When did you figure out like, oh wow, I'm, I might be pretty good at this. Like more than just for fun. Like I, I'm, I'm a little different than the other people I'm racing against when I was 14 Mm -hmm. and I was
1: racing against kids that were two years older than me Mm -hmm. and that were stronger, you know, some had beards and (laughs) and I'm like, you know, like a ninth grade kid. And, and, um, when I started beating those, those kind of guys, um, I was like, yeah. And then of course, you know, my older brother, he was, he was the first one to, uh, You know, and sadly, I only got to race with my older brother for one year and then Mm -hmm. he retired. Mm -hmm. So he retired at the end of the '89 season. But, um, you know, a lot of that, uh, you know, that competitive spirit, it it just comes from having an older sibling. I mean, I can't, it's as simple as that, you know, because you're constantly getting beat up by this one guy, either arm wrestling or playing tackle football or one on one basketball. And then finally you catch up to that person Mm. and it's like, okay, let's go.
2: (laughs) One thing I've always wondered is I noticed there's a lot of children, a lot of teenagers who compete and like you, you also spent your entire childhood and your youth competing and you have to travel. So how do you balance school? Were you homeschooled or how does that work?
1: You know, my school, both my middle school and high school knew what I was doing and the teachers really enjoyed the fact that I was, able to leave, uh, and go to these different towns and cities and countries for that matter. And it was never an issue. I don't know if there was a a hard policy for, you know, not being in attendance, but I had to do the work (laughs) regardless. (laughs) So they were okay with it.
0: I know, uh, homeschooling has gotten a lot more popular these days. I I was homeschooled. I feel like before it became, you know, a huge deal and then uh, COVID hit and there was a lot of changing around who went to school, whereas virtual school and homeschooling, do you see a lot of, of bikers do that? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. There's,
1: <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, kids that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that are doing virtual. My daughter's one of them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I wish we had that. <laughs> I wish we had that mm-hmm. back in those days.
0: Um, what physical attributes do you feel like make up a good BMX rider? Like, and, and I understand that it can be different, but in a lot of sports you have prototypes. If I'm building the perfect NBA player, I probably want him to be like, probably like LeBron James or Michael Jordan, six, six to six, nine, you know, you can jump yeah. really high. What, what kind of attributes work for, well for BMX?
1: Well, there's a lot of talented riders in BMX. Um, physically talented, very gifted. They can ride the bike like no other. Um, Some are extremely strong and powerful. They put a lot of emphasis in the weight room. But at the end of the day, I I view an athlete, and and this comes from a lot of uh, education at USA Cycling and running an Olympic program, it's mental toughness. It's it's mental toughness. if you believe that you can win, if you know that you're working harder than the competitor and you just have that passion and desire to be the very best, you know, it's, it's the Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality. Attitude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I see some of that in some kids that come out here to our track. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how far they, they, they take it and, and where it goes from there.
2: Were you ever injured at, when you were competing? Since I, I know there's a lot of injuries in BMX. And if you were, how did you keep going? What motivated you to keep going?
1: Yes, there were some injuries. Um, thankfully, nothing uh, where it required an overnight stay in a hospital. Um, I need to knock on some wood. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the classic collarbone injury, um, dislocation. Some of it's from mountain bike racing as well. Um, uh, An ankle, I have a rod in my left ankle from an injury. Um, But you know, you just, you gotta, you know, you take that same attitude as an athlete and you apply it to the medical field and you know, you find the best doctor and you do the research and you ask questions and you have a really good rehab and therapy program. Um, But you know, there were times where I was out for four weeks um and that first race back you know maybe I didn't do as well as I'd like but I got back on it Mm -hmm. so just a small
0: roadblock you have a good overlook of BMX over the past couple decades the sport the numbers show that the sport has really taken off over the past several years uh why why do you think that is I think the Olympics
1: is a big part of it I think kids now that are you know 12 13 years old you know they look up to those those kids they see now on social media that have gone to the olympics and just the whole process of saying that you're an olympian let alone maybe an olympic medalist right so i think that has a a part to it Uh, and you know also the the tracks that they build nowadays are are fun (laughs) you know it's it's not like a field it's not like a permanent permanent uh facility where you're in like a basketball court or a softball field soccer field what have you you can go to these different tracks all over the country and each one is unique and different in its own way you know you might have a left first turn or a right first turn uh it might be slightly downhill uh the jumps could be bigger smaller things like that
0: kind of like a golf course in that way
1: yeah exactly So um, I think the tracks nowadays are much more uh, entertaining for the rider.
0: So, Uh, 2024 BMX Worlds, uh, May 12th through 18th. Uh, As a rider, give us an insight. How do riders look at the world championships on scale to other events they compete in?
1: Well, from a global perspective, I can only really share what goes on here in the United States okay. with with our governing uh, body, with USA BMX. They run all of the BMX racing in the U.S. and in parts of Canada. So, for them, you know, it's 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 something that I don't know. I can't say that would always be on their radar year after year, even for some of the top riders, because this event travels all over. You know, next next year it'll be in Denmark. Um, I think Australia after that. So for the U.S. contingent, you know, their big event is always the Grand Nationals mm-hmm. in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's every Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but having the world championships in your home country, your, the host country. You know, I think that's that's unique and special in so many ways because it's so different. And you're riding against competitors from other countries. You might not get that. You might get a few Latin American riders. You might get one or two from Europe that'll come over. Uh, but especially on the amateur side, you're racing against kids from all over, from 48 different countries, 48, 50 other countries, and um, that's unique in itself. That's something that you don't always see and you know, we hadn't had the the world championships in the United States since 2017, but prior to that it was 2001 mm. in, in Louisville, Kentucky. So it, it had been a while. And so I think that's why 2017 was so successful is a lot of people wanted to come to the United States. And I feel like we did such a great job in 2017 that those same folks and or friends of those folks that are new to the sport, have heard about what we're capable of doing, so I think there's a lot of excitement there, and I know we're doing a great job getting that information out, and we're seeing a lot of traction now with with people wanting to know a lot of questions.
2: (laughs) Comparing 2017's world championships to 2024, I guess what from 2017 did you learn um, from that event, and you I guess, applied it to planning for 2024, or like are there any changes or things that you want to keep or?
1: That's a great question. I think my role in 17 was um, not as fulfilling as this one that's coming up. I know I have a lot more responsibility. I'm overseeing more people. Uh, That challenge in itself is something that I thrive on. You know, it's in any kind of challenge you want to perform Maybe that's my old competitive spirit, you could say. But um, you know, I think in 17 we really were just learning on the go, and in next year, when this event comes, once we start loading in some of the stages and and temporary office structures, um, you know, I feel like we're way ahead of the curve in terms of planning. And and really understanding how the event works. So that's the part that's obviously challenging, but also the most exciting.
0: This year with the World Championships, it's, it's a special year because it is an Olympic year. You talked about how the Olympics has really boosted the popularity of the sport. What does that mean for this event, first off? And then two... Uh, it seems like there's some kind of point system involved with the different races they go to. So that my second question after that would be, how does one become Olympics eligible? So first of all, first off, how does it, what, how does it impact this year's event? Well, for 2024,
1: in terms of the U S contingent, the U S riders, this race will be important for them. They're currently out racing, World Cup events, UCI events, and they're trying to attain uh, points based on these events so that they can also take those points and put it in basically a bucket, and that bucket would consist of each country's best three riders. And then so that bucket would represent your country, right? So Team USA is banking on having riders in the men's and women's field That perform at a high level all throughout the world, and so with our event in 2014, that for the most part is going to be the last event that would that would gather those Olympic points. Some might do uh, an Olympic selection race, uh, but each country has their own selection process. Okay. So whatever Canada does, it it's going to be completely different than what we what we do. And I'll be honest, I've, I've been removed from those last two go arounds and we've had two other Olympics since then. So I've, I've been with the city almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I haven't kept up on how that selection process works, but I know if you have a result in Rock Hill in 2024, let's say you win or you have a podium appearance, top three, there's a really good chance that you'll get selected for the Olympics in 2024 later that that year
0: okay and uh specifically for the event with it being an olympic year does that drive more people to want to come here and compete i don't know if it would drive more
1: athletes uh but i think the media coverage Mm -hmm. you should see an increase in that because you know you'll know who who's gonna go right who who the top american will be uh, some of the foreign riders that, that are doing really well, I know the Netherlands, Australia, Great Britain, um, Colombia. Those are the countries that, that have really, really strong fields. And this event will be a similar situation. You know, if they do good, then they're going to be, you know, they're going to be at the top of, of the heat. Because it's it's going to be the biggest race before the Paris Olympics race.
2: So, for someone like me, who's a little bit difficult to understanding sports, <laughs> could you explain a little bit more about the, I guess, the categories of racing for BMX? So, we know there's about 50 countries expected to come and compete in 2024, but I guess, how do you, um, what are the categories, I guess, age? That's a um, great question.
1: Yeah. So, we have amateur racing, which is also called the challenge class or challenge categories. And then you also have two types of bikes that you can race in this amateur category. It's a 20-inch bicycle and a 24-inch bicycle, and that's basically the diameter of your wheels. Um, The 20-inch is considered standard across the board. 24-inch is usually for the older guys, okay? And then you have the championship class, which is your elite riders. You have men's and women's elite. You have men's and women's u 23 and then you have men's and women's junior. So there's those nine categories. And those riders in the championship class are the ones that are selected that they get to go to, to the Olympics in Paris next year.
0: What will, uh, with this event, I know you talked about your role and you're excited to um, oversee more people. What, what kind of things will you be doing? A lot of it will be on the front end
1: making sure this you know the structures are in place a lot of that stuff goes through our planning department so uh we've got hundreds of tents that have to be erected in the team area which will be on the athletic fields we've got a rider bridge uh that'll take the riders from the team area which is a secure area um up and over into the staging area because we have that uh that sidewalk that walkway that goes around the perimeter of the of the facility Um, we have a hospitality deck a media center we've got um, a medical unit we've got med one that comes in it's basically a mobile hospital Uh, we've got our our permanent structures at the BMX track we've got two buildings there Uh, we've got an expo center merchandising um, hospitality I think I said that already So, yeah, there's there's a lot of moving parts and pieces and uh, getting all that kind of lined up in advance is going to be my biggest challenge. And then, of course, coordinating and communicating with the with the organizer, the UCI.
0: Rock Hill's track has gotten lots of accolades and a lot of people have spoken very highly of it as someone who has raced on. Hundreds, dare I say, different tracks, maybe, eight hundred. I don't know. Um, what What's special about this track in this facility?
1: I may be a little biased because that's where I work and that's where my paycheck comes from. And I tell people this all the time that come through our town when we do tours. I honestly feel like our facility and our BMX track is the best, not just in the country, but in the entire world. And I've been to I've been to other Olympics. I've seen other venues. I've seen venues in Australia, Europe, South America. And the way the track's designed, it's a design after the 2008 Beijing track. So we have that berm jump for the pro men, which is really cool. We have an all-weather track surface. I think that's something that uh, we were learning and, and trying to understand how that worked based on where we were in the region. Um, it's basically a baseball mix with, with sand and clay mixed with soil tech called slurry, um, and then we have an aggregate as a base layer so we went through a, a rebuilding project in 2021 and we brought in um, Tom Ritzenthaler who, who has built uh, several Olympic tracks for the IOC and so that was really cool to have him involved and you know the feedback from our local riders and from those from outside our state that come to our nationals year after year have have all raved about it. Um, it's it's a unique course. It kind of it it's not unique in a sense that it's you know one type of track. It's it allows a powerful rider to to demonstrate that in the first part of the track and then it gets technical as you go on and um, everyone everyone seems to at least. The feedback I receive is that the track is on par with with some of the best in the world.
2: Do you remember the first track that you raced on? Oh yeah. What was it like?
1: <laughs> Nothing like what we see <laughs> now. <laughs> there was no all-weather surface. There were no stadium lights. Um, there were no electronics involved with the start system. Uh, it was a rubber band, so it, one person held it on one end and. Mm. It, went right across and we were all you know one foot on the ground um matter of fact i think i had a paper plate it's my first number and i wore a football helmet oh man (laughs) (laughs) sounds like something out of
0: uh, a movie
1: yeah yeah i mean it's uh you know track
0: maintenance wasn't really an issue um you can attest to this, but if you're still listening to the podcast, I'm just going to revisit a little moment of mine from 2017. Uh, at the time I was working at the local radio station, we had the BMX media event. And so the, what that meant is I was going to you know, race the BMX track. I'm like, I, I don't, you know, I knew a little bit about BMX, but I'm like, I can ride a bike, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. So one thing, talk. Well, I can talk through this with me, that I think people don't realize, and you pointed out the numbers, it's, you said 20, is it inches? 20 inch diameter wheels. That's a much smaller bike than your average bicycle that you would just get out and just ride around the neighborhood, correct? Correct, that would be a 26 inch wheel. 26 inch wheel, so you're dealing with a smaller bicycle. Um, we were fortunate enough, Mike, because you were there to go down the, uh, That is it called the Challenge Hill? Yeah. Is that what you were referred yep. to it as? And so, you know, you're, you're on the bike, and you're sitting on top of the hill, and there's a, well, what do you call the thing that comes up out of the ground? The starting gate. The starting gate. And uh, explain to people what happens at the starting gate. So, it's it's a starting gate system
1: built by ProGate. It's a barrel gate, and it comes up out of the ground. And we have a handheld controller with an official or volunteer or employee that hits this button, and it's a voice-recorded message that says, on the gate... Riders ready, watch the lights. And then there's a Christmas tree of four lights, one red, two yellow, one green. As soon as it hits green, um, the gate will drop anywhere
0: from zero to three and a half seconds. So the only thing I can compare it to is when, and I don't, I don't go on these rides at water parks. When you're at a water park and you get in and they have one of those things you stand on and then it just drops up from <laughs> under you. There's a reason I don't go in those things. Um, but I just remember being at the top of the hill and I don't remember if there was uh, there was that three second gap, you know, and you're, you're at the top of a big hill. I'm not a BMX rider and I go down the hill and I had, uh, uh, one of the challenge kids coaching me, uh, up for the race. And one of the big things for BMX and you see it, but if, if you're not thinking about it, you don't realize it is it's important to stand up when you pedal. Correct. Well, I'm a bigger guy. I probably don't fit the typical BMX mold that we talked about earlier. It's very difficult to stand up if you don't have the appropriate build, the appropriate balance, and if you're just a lot bigger than the bike. <laughs> That's true. That is true. You know, we, we run a new rider orientation
1: program every Thursday at the BMX track, mm-hmm. and that is, that is one of the two things that we require from any, any person age 5 up to 60 that you have to not only pedal and come to a complete stop from point A to point B, but you also have to stand up and pedal mm-hmm. and ride your bike without sitting because you're not going to sit on a BMX track because you're going over obstacles. You're going over jumps, things of that nature. And if you're sitting, um, that's just not. That. And that's why the seats are also very low, too, because they have to stretch and get over the back end of the, of the seat.
0: Well, Mike, I tell you what, I sat the whole time, I finished the track, and I (laughs) didn't do it ever again. So (laughs) I I was gassed because I had to pedal all the way up the hills. I didn't have any momentum, uh, but I also didn't want to uh, get an injury because the other thing, when you look at the track, you think, oh, that's dirt. Because it looks the color of dirt, but it's closer to cement, correct? Correct. So if you fall, it will hurt. And I I do think that year we had a reporter from Charlotte who broke his wrist and... I did not finish first, second, third. In fact, I've probably finished last, but I did not get injured and I was proud of that. Um, Do y'all have any other programs at the BMX track that you guys offer? You know, we do open practice every
1: Tuesday and Wednesday from four to eight. Um, Every Thursday, like I mentioned, is new rider orientation. And before that we offer a balance bike practice. So if you've got little ones that aren't on a pedal bike yet and they're on those balance bikes, Uh, We'll put you out on the track with your parents for, I think it's an hour and a half to two hours. Um, Friday night is our big Friday night BMX race. We race every night at 8 o'clock. It's free admission. Uh, We have food trucks that come out there. And we see anywhere from 100 to 150 riders. So it's it's a good time. And then on Saturdays, uh, we do a combination of some clinics in the morning. And we do another open practice session. And then we also do some birthday parties and track rentals at the end of the afternoon. So it's a
0: it's a full week. Is there anything else on the the world championship side that we're missing or that you'd like to add? You know,
1: just tell your friends. Let's fill that uh, stadium up with, with Rock Hillians and people from York County. And just let's show the world that, you know, we're always on and competition lives here. And uh, we go out and crush it.
0: Mike, thank you for taking some time out of your day to join us, tell us your story, and to talk about the 2024 BMX Racing World Championships here in CityCast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Rock
1: Hill CityCast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, follow us on social media.